And so this morning, as we look to the Psalms, I want to encourage you to ta- turn to, I don't know if this, you can find this in your Bible, but Psalm 23, Psalm 23. Turn to Psalm 23. Uh, I'm going to have my guy pull it up on the screen. And we don't do this very often. Uh, there's reasons, but I want uh, you all to stand uh, and read with me. Stand and read with me from the screen, uh, English Standard Version. Uh, I, I did that for some of you old, old timers. You have your own versions that you learned this in. But we're going to read together Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. Uh, here we go. Read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wonderful. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you do um, give us your presence in the midst of this difficult and chaotic world, a world where we are fearful much of the time that we're anxious, we're jittery inside, we um, are not confident. God, we thank you that you are with us. God, I ask this morning as we look at this familiar psalm that you would remind us of our need and for remind us of your faithfulness to us. God, we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, uh, not much need for an intro here, right? Uh, you're all very familiar with this psalm. Uh, I think it's been a, a really since the time of its writing, uh, God's people have loved this psalm. It's resonated uh, with our hearts. And so, uh, this morning, I, I wanted to go over this most loved psalm uh, of many people, of most people. I want to remind you as we go, um, this is attributed to David, King David. And I I don't want to spend too much time on the author, David, but I I, I want you to think a real man wrote this, a real man, just like me, just like you. Uh, And when I say, you know, some of you, you know, we're in different ditches along the way, um, David found a few ditches along the way too. And so I, I just want to recap who David was. Uh, David was a shepherd, was a shepherd. Uh, really the, the earliest thoughts that we have of him and the pictures of him is a, as a young boy man uh, who was a shepherd, who was a shepherd and, and he would protect and take care of the sheep and and even in that time would be one to think through music and like, you know, this is who he was. He was a shepherd. This same David was also the hero killer 
of Goliath, um, even once again as a young man, probably early high school, even middle school. It's hard for me to say, think through David as a middle schooler being worth anything. But um, uh, some of you took offense to that. You don't need to. You took that in the wrong way. I meant that in the best possible way. I meant that in the best possible way. But David was the hero killer of Goliath. Uh, David was also a king, a king of God's people. And I think many of us, uh, especially as young men, young women as well, the queen, we always dreamed uh, when we would play dress up or we would, you know, we, we, we always dreamed of being king or queen. And, and what we think of that is being in charge and getting whatever we want. It's good to be king. David was a king. You can say this too. Uh, he was a king. He was a king. He, he was a shepherd and he was a hero killer of Goliath. And he, uh, he was a king. And David was an adulterer. David was an adulterer. Uh, this is one of the ditches he found himself in, in his own lust and sinfulness. He committed adultery. And connected with that, uh, it's one way to say it, is, and he was also a murderer. He was also a murderer. He, maybe you wouldn't like to say a murderer. He uh, set up a hit on uh, the man, and he was killed. He was also a husband. He was also a husband to eight wives, to eight wives. He had problems on his hands. <laughs> he had problems. I'll just leave that. I'll just keep going. Just keep going. He was also a father. Uh, he was also a father. I think 31 is the number of uh, children that he had and he was a father of Solomon who would follow in his footsteps um, as king. He had another son, Absalom, uh, the, kind of the two most famous Solomon and Absalom, who would um, try to overthrow him, would go against him. Uh, this is who he was. And it was said of uh, David also that he was a man after God's own heart. Man after God's own heart. And with that, those things in mind, those highlights, lowlights, whatever you want to call them, I want you to read, I want you to think through with me Psalm 23. How would he say this? Why would he say this? Uh, why would God work in his heart to inspire him to give us Psalm 23? And, and, and I'll, I'll just give to you the outline, I think, of this book. Uh, it's very simple. I'm not going to follow an outline today. I'm just going to give you a, a laundry list, if you will, of bullet points, of observations that hopefully would encourage you. But the outline kind of goes something like this. The first four verses, David introduces us to, and he would say it this way, my loving shepherd, my loving shepherd. Um, I think that often um, when we think of uh, a farmer, rancher, shepherd, uh, we think of someone who may or may not care about the crops, the animals that he's taking care of. There's a certain neglect that can happen. And what you get the picture of here is David saying, this, this is what describes my loving shepherd, 
the one that loves me. And then you look at verses five and six. In the same way, he he describes my loving, gracious host. And when I say my loving, gracious host, David's saying, I can't believe what I have as he welcomes me in. And he, he gives to me that which I cannot get by myself, my loving, gracious host. So this morning, um, I, I just want to go from there and just walk through the passage and give you 12 observations that point to Yahweh, God, being our sustaining shepherd, who is all we need to live in these uncertain days. I, there's 12 observations. I started with nine, and it just kept growing, and I stopped at 12, okay? So be thankful. Um, as we look to God's word, I, w- I want to start at the beginning, but uh, what I want you to do is these point us to Yahweh God, the God spoken of, the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, the, the God who sent his son Jesus to redeem mankind. God uh, wants to be and is the one who sustains us as a shepherd would his sheep. And I want to give you this one observation before, and it's the thing that kind of stood out to me most as I studied this and I went over this this week. Of course, I was familiar with Psalm 23 before, probably taught it before. I don't know that I've ever preached on it in Bear Valley Church here, but what I, what I see there, and, and really in every line, both in the shepherd part and in the gracious host part, is this idea that God provides for us something. One attribute of his provides us with something where we can rest, where we can rest, where we can be okay. And, and, and when I say the word rest, um, why, why can't you sleep at night? You know, what, what is it? Well, uh, sometimes it could be all kinds of different things, right? Could be your health. It could be physically your health, right? You know, it could be some things wrong with you that uh, I say wrong with you. Some ailments that you have. Okay, uh, there could be all kinds of things that disrupt your sleep. And the idea of resting, you, you say, "Well, I'd love to rest, but I can't because of this." Or maybe it's things on your mind and heart. Maybe it's your kids or your grandkids. Maybe it's your relationship with your spouse. Maybe, you know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's your parents and the relationship there. And, you know, and so you struggle with rest. Maybe it's some issue of the past that, that has continues to dog your feet and, and it's this thing that keeps coming up and, and you say, I'd love to rest, but I can't. And what I see in this psalm is this, that, the, that David, as he writes, he's saying, oh, I can have rest. The God who provides things that will allow me to rest And so uh, as we go through this, I just want to point out initially this, that rest is found in having a relationship with Yahweh God. 
There's plenty of things. Like, and we could, we've talked about this before. We could come up with a list, not just a list of hypothetical things, but things that this group right here has gone through that is the potential for difficulties in this world. And there are other things too, right? And so as David had gone through his own things and undoubtedly known of others too, both in family and the country that he was king of, he very personally says this, I've found rest in my relationship with Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, the God of creation, the God who made me and knows me and loves me and my people. And so I want you to hear that word rest and say, doesn't that sound good? Doesn't it sound good to rest? I, I think it's interesting. Maybe, maybe it's been a long time, but you, you know those days where you wake up, you go to bed and you wake up and you go, I feel great today. And, and, and the idea is, and maybe that's not in this life in the sense that we are struggling with many things, but I want to tell you that, that David said, I, I found that to be. That's what it is to be in relationship with the good shepherd. That's what it is to trust in God. That's what he offers and provides is rest. Is rest. That's number one, rest. Number two, I'd say this. I kind of jumped ahead, but the Lord Yahweh. As you look at this passage, it starts out the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is the one. And you, I've already said it. It's, it's Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament. The Lord who has a promised relationship with his people. How did Israel become Israel? Not because they got together and they had a meeting. Uh, they were called to be a people by God. He made a, a covenant with Abraham and, and he said, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And this is, I'm going to make you and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to do this. I think that's important as you look at David's life that he had a God who he knew was the God of the promise that he could trust in. It wasn't him bringing his strategy and plans and grand hopes and whatever he was going to do to God. It was God being the God who was saying, I'm going to be this for you. I'm going to do it for you. If you trust in me, if you follow me, I'll be the one, the Lord. That was number two, the Lord. Number three, shepherd. And what struck me this week is, uh, and it's such an elementary and simple thing, who was David? Who was David? Went through the list, right? And, and when you think of David, I think there's three things that maybe stand out to you immediately. You say, oh, King David. I think most of us refer to him as King David. King David. And you say, well, you know, because of all the toys and elementary school and Sunday school, you say, well, David was the shepherd. So David was either the king or he was the shepherd, right? Or you think of David's sins, right? And what I want to point out to you is this. The shepherd needed a shepherd. The shepherd needed a shepherd. And I'd say it this way too. 
the king needed a shepherd. The king needed a shepherd. The hero needed a shepherd. The adulterer needed a shepherd. The husband needed a shepherd. The guy who had Uriah killed needed a shepherd. The father needed a shepherd. I'm going to stop there for a minute, men. Uh, I, I know there's pressure on you men, especially in your relationship to your wife and your relationship to your kids and grandkids, for you to be a leader, a leader. And uh, most of us, you know, say, yeah, I'm the leader. I'm the leader. So I'm going to bark out orders like a leader would do. Even if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just going to start barking out orders, okay? Or you say, you go through this argument in your own heart. I don't feel like a leader, but I'm supposed to be a leader. Just act like one. Act like you know what you're doing. Sorry to reveal this in front of the ladies. Um, but, but I want you to get this. I, I want David, he's writing this, inspired by God. He's writing this. The king of Israel needed a shepherd. Do, do you think we need a shepherd too, men? Absolutely. You ladies... You're very accomplished. You, you, you know a lot. You, 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 your experience has given you a, a wealth of information. But I tell you this. You're dependent. You're dependent. You're needy. You need a shepherd. You need a shepherd. This is a, such an a, a amazing, a humble picture of the king of one who had gone through difficult but successful times as well. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd, is my shepherd. And, and, and I, I wouldn't, for those of you raising kids and positions of leadership, grandparents and whoever's looking to you, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't try to hide this fact. I wouldn't try to hide it. When you get into a difficult time, Look your kids and your grandkids, the people you're supposed to lead, look them in the eye and say, I'm going to trust my shepherd on this one. I'm going to try to follow my shepherd on this one. This is what it is to be a great leader. This is what it is to, to walk with God. It's to acknowledge that the Lord is my shepherd. Which brings us to I shall not want. That word uh, want is the idea of being lacking. You know, it's to, to be short, is to be short. It's, it's the idea that in the game to, to lose by a couple of points because you had less than your opponent. It's the idea in finances where you, you had your resources, but they're gone. They're gone. You're bankrupt. That's what it is to be in want. It's the idea of not having enough. And I think it's interesting that, that um, he talks about this shepherd relationship that, that, that David has. And he says, um, because of that, I shall not want. I won't be short. I won't be lacking. I won't be unsuccessful because I ran out of fuel. I won't be the needy one. And I want to say this. Why? 
Why? Because of his shepherd. Because of his shepherd. And and I want to say this. It matters who your shepherd is. It matters who your shepherd is. And and, and really, the, the picture for us most of the time is not... Uh, that we have a different shepherd, it's that we think that we can make it on our own. I'm strong enough. I work hard enough. I have reserved, you know, I have these reserves. I can make it because of what I've done. And the king of Israel says this, the Lord is my shepherd. Because of that, I shall not want. I shall not come up short. It's interesting. Um, I'll just say this. I wasn't planning on it, but um, I think that when you're young, when you're young, you say, oh, I'll just get smarter, wiser, more money. I'll be more disciplined and I'll just keep pumping and I'll be able to handle life. And those of us who are older, uh, you, you kind of, you go, oh, okay, I've done that already. I've done that. I have savings, I have a house, I have some skills, I have some knowledge. You know, I have this insurance and then I have a a complimentary policy and one more on that and I've got it all figured out. I've got it all figured out. And yet, as, as one of the issues of this passage is this, death, death. And, and most, most of us, There's some kind of fear in death. There's some kind of fear. And when I say kind of fear, you go, how's this going to happen? You know, I've seen some, you know, people, I've heard of others that, you know, it's kind of gruesome or difficult at the end. And and I I want you to know this, that based on what you have, you're going to be wanting. But based upon what your shepherd is to you, he says, David says, I shall not want. And I think about David and I think about when he was young, there were the lions trying to take the sheep. Uh, when he was older, when he was older, not much older, he had the king after him, King Saul, right? He's chasing him. Later, later he became king. He, he had all these people who wanted to take his throne, including his own son, wanted to kill him. Wanted to take him out and take the throne. David knew about the fear of death, and he said, Because of my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not be lacking. And, and once again, it's rest, right? It's rest over and over again. So, so I shall not want. That's number four. Number five is safety, is safety. And I combine these two, lying down in green pastures and providing still waters. He, he says this. Um, no, I'm sorry, I skipped one. Now, where am I? There I am, right there. No, I know, I'm right on track. That's just the way I am, right on track. Never confused. Um, he says, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He, he leads me beside still waters. And what, what you have here is this, the shepherd and the sheep. And, and when you think about the, the lands of, of the, the Bible, uh, it, it wasn't this picture of just, you know, grass everywhere, right? It, it's, it's the idea that you had to keep moving. They were always moving. 
And sheep, if you've ever been around them, and, and most animals are like this, more, maybe sheep are more so like this than others, especially if there are many predators around, they're skittish. And the picture here is that as they're eating, we're going to get to this later as well, that the sheep would be standing and they'd be eating. But if something came around to scare them, they would take off. They would take off. And they're, they're always fearful. And so this idea of sitting down and eating isn't really a picture of many animals and especially sheep. But the picture here is one that's not common it's one that everything's taken care of, that they're, they're lying down. He makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. Because of the comfort and because of the, the confidence in the shepherd, the sheep are, are made to lie down. I don't know if he shoves them or whatever, but he says, it's okay. Look, eat. It's fine. You're safe. The other picture besides the... the um, the green pastures is still waters. And, and even recently, I went up to the Kern River and up in Kernville, and it's just rushing. It's just rushing. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I don't know if you've been up there this year. Other years, not so much. But this year, it's, it's rushing. And, and you get this picture that, uh, of danger, of danger of it being there. And, and so many times in a, in a river like that, the the animals won't want to go near it because of the noise and the sound and the understanding. And, and so a lot of times a, a shepherd would kind of make a, a little dam out of rocks. And so there would be this quiet place of still water where, where they can be provided for. They can have refreshment. Once again, rest, right? Rest over and over again. And rest, it, I want to say this. It matters who your shepherd is. It matters what he provides. And he's describing this. He says, green pastures, still waters. So it's safe. Number five, it's so, so it's safe. Number six, restores my soul. Restores my soul. Um, I find this interesting, the idea of... Uh, restoring uh, soul, it's the idea of bringing back to health, bringing back to health. And, and, and what the picture here is for the shepherd and the sheep is that as sheep would be sick, you know, be, you know, ailing in some way, maybe have some ailment on their foot or their leg or something. The shepherd somehow ministers to them and, and helps them and puts salve on their cuts and maybe makes sure they get eat they eat food and they take special attention, pulls them close. He brings them back to health. Um, and, and I want to say this, for the believer, he does this to us and for us all the time, all the time. Back to the ditch, right? Back to the ditch. Had a bad day, right? You involved yourself in some sin. You've made some bad choices, you got yourself in a mess. He restores my soul. Some wonder if this is just talking about health. I don't believe it is because it's a picture of sheep to shepherd. And he's not talking about, for the sheep, he's not saying, you know, this is a saved sheep spiritually which will be in heaven with me. I don't think he's saying that. 
I think he's saying that he's bringing them back to wholeness and health. And the picture is that of us, is what is the problem with us? What are the dangers and the the things that knock us down? It's that which we do. And he says, he restores my soul. And I want to say it again. David's life had some monumental failings that should have left him in the ditch for life. Should have left him in the ditch for life. Some things that he could say, oh, you know, I never got over this. You know, if he would go to a counselor, he, they would say, PTSD, you'll never recover from this. You'll never recover. And, and what I want to point out to you is this. That for the one who walks with God, it's not that we can't do terrible things and that terrible things haven't really happened in our life that have marked us, changed us, granted us scars that we can't get rid of. It's not that, but it's that, that he gives us health that we might walk again in this life with him, dependent on him. It's not that we won't ever, uh, you know, be affected by that. It's not that we won't remember. It's not that we might even have flashbacks and whatever else. I, I want to say that, that that's part of that limping thing. But it's the idea that God does a work in us that we can, we can function. We can function. We can, we can move again. We, we can come into worship. We can walk with him again. He does that work. He restores my soul. I wonder what David was thinking about. I wonder what was the events that he was reflecting on when he says, he restores my soul. There's things we knew about David. There were probably other things that we didn't know that David was saying, yes, this is the God who loves me so much. This is what he does, my shepherd. So he restores my soul. Number seven, paths of righteousness. Paths of righteousness. If you look down uh, verse three, he says, he restores my soul. It says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. It's interesting. Um, one of the things that, that we uh, struggle with resting about is am I doing the right thing? What should I do? I have this decision, you know, what about this? What about that? What about this? And most of us are independent and we say, oh, I can make decisions all the time. Decisions are easy. I I make decisions. I can do my own thing. I can decide for myself. This is what I want to do. But for a sheep, they need to be led. They need to be led. And, And for us and for King, King David, it says that he leads me in paths of righteousness Simple sheep genuinely don't know where to go. They don't. Uh, You know, I I hate to break that to us. I hate to be the one to connect that, that we're supposed to be the sheep here. He's the shepherd that he leads us. We don't lead him. God's not gonna give you leadership position. He's not gonna follow you. You're designed, and he will lead you. Simple sheep genuinely don't know where to go. Simple King David and simple, insert your name, 
and simple Kevin Bosler don't know what they're doing. They don't know where to go. And if the king needs a shepherd, so do you and I. Number eight. Number eight. Namesake. Namesake. It's interesting because uh, this is, it doesn't feel like a throw-in, but it gives perspective on this whole psalm where he says, uh, he, he says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. That gives perspective on what he's doing for us and why, and why. It's interesting because uh, we always want to be the winner. We always want to win. We always want to come out on top. We love a competition, but only if the competition shows that in the end, we are the winner. And why do we love being winners? Well, we love being winners because that reflects how awesome we are. You know, we, we love it. We love it, right? Even in the simplest things, you know, we, a young boy will carry the groceries in a, a bag that first time by himself and he'll, he'll stop his mom and he'll put them down and kind of ride at her feet and say, I carried this in. Why? Because he's saying, I'm awesome. And mom, you're supposed to say, boy, you're, you're getting so strong. Yeah, right? But there's this connection, and it, it's an important one, and it, it goes back to really every issue of our life is this, that he does the work for us. We follow him in obedience. There's success. He gets the glory. He gets the glory. I want to encourage you as you think about all that God does for you. Get good at seeing God's goodness in your life. And, and when you see God's, good, God's goodness in your life, tell people about it. And, and how do you do that? You say, hey, wow, you're really smart. God's blessed me with many opportunities to learn stuff that I couldn't have done on my own. I could have messed this up a million times over, but God's been good to me and it came out all right. God is good. It's for his namesake. If we follow him and there's success, he gets the glory. Number nine. And this struck me. Uh, in, in, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, that, that picture there, I've thought about that over and over. Since a child, the valley of the shadow of death. Where is the valley of the shadow of death? Well, it's the valley where people could die in. And there's like this covering and shadow. And we don't know if that's like the dark places where you, those are the dark places that you're going to die. And it's the valley and you're going through it. And, and maybe that's our whole lives. And it's just this one difficult, scary thing after another. Maybe it feels that way. The valley of the shadow of death. And as you can paint a picture of all the scary things of life, and there are many, it says... Even though I walk through the valley of shadow, and, and I think that often uh, we like the idea of standing or running. 
standing or running. Come to a scary part and you go, how can I make this go fast? How can I make this difficult season go fast? And maybe you see the difficult season out there and you go, I'm going to sit this one out. I'm just going to stay right here. But the picture here is this. Really, one of the pictures of life is, pictures of the Bible of life is walking. And it says, even though I'm, you know, walking, I'm heading through where? The valley of the shadow of death. For fear of death, for fear of death, the place that I'm going, I'm going from here to there. What does it say? I will fear no evil. I can have this confident rest in the midst of scary things. Why? Why? It's not, so, I think we're all intrigued, intrigued by people who have, are fearless, are fearless. And if you read those five words, I will fear no evil, it sounds like a t-shirt or something like that, right? That high school and college guys where I will fear no evil. And, you know, they're in the gym and they're just hulking out. And, and you go, yeah, no, no, uh, I'm not going to make you afraid because you've got that shirt that says, I will fear no evil. And, and as you look at this, you, you might think that's a, a call for being courageous, but it's not. It's not. Because of the next line, another five words, for you are with me, for you are with me. I, I think about that and I think about, you know, there, there's pictures where, you know, you, you're in a scary situation and you can't handle it. But, but the idea of God being with you and, and the idea of him being able to take care of everything. And I, I want to say the the only way not to fear in this life is that God is with you. God is with you. He goes on to say, uh, so namesake, number nine, I will fear no evil. God is a fearless maker, not because of who you are, but because that God is with me. Number 10, he says, the rod and the staff comfort me. And, and I want to say this. Some have waxed eloquent about the rod and the staff, one, one being for, you know, the beating of predators and one for being the hooking and maybe the, the chastisement of the sheep and hooking. The, the idea here is this, that the resources for your protection, God has. And so when you know, it's like... Um, some would trust in their bank account. Some would trust in the military. Some would trust in their Second Amendment rights and whatever else. And there's a great comfort to those things. But they're only as comfortable as far as they're needed and as far as they're successful. But the idea here is that this, this shepherd, he has all he needs, both for offense and defense, for all that you need. And so it's a comfort. It's a comfort. To know the presence of God and to know that he has strength in the midst of whatever's going on, there's a great comfort, comfort there. Once again, rest, right? Ah, oh, it's going to be okay. That was number 10. Number 11, 
in the presence of my enemies. And this is the transition uh, as we look at um, this section. He says in verse 5, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So the, the picture here is this, of a soldier... Or, or someone who has enemies and, and they're on the run and, and they, they get a moment for some food and they're like, scarf it down. Scarf it down as you're watching, right? And I don't have time. I, you know, I don't have time for this because my life is so, I'm fearful of what could happen next. I need to be on alert. And this is where you have the gracious host where he says, sit down. I'll be a watch over you. They're right there. They're not going to do anything while I'm here. They're not going to do anything. You sit down. I prepare this table. I'm not afraid because I can take care of them. Great confidence that comes from knowing the God who loves you so much prepared the table and he says, sit and eat. I will watch. You are fine. As this gracious host, the one who loves him, and I don't like the idea of gracious host because it kind of has the the sounding of like God just being nice to us, but but it's more than that. It's our gracious, loving, heavenly father saying, come in, you're a part of me. You're, You're at my house now. You're safe. You're good. I love you. I love you. The same gracious host, it says, uh, as we move on, he says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The picture here is this, that he, he takes the weary traveler. He, he sets him down and it's as if to give him a shower. It's as if to give him refreshment through the anointing of oil. It's the idea of here, have a, have a cup. Have as much as you want. Uh, you, you have as much as you want with me. He's invigorating the one who is weary. I don't know if it was essential oils or not, but I wonder. The weary traveler is refreshed in the midst of the difficulties of life. Number 13. Did I say there was only 12? I'm sorry, there's 14. It grew, it grew. The four, I gotta correct that for the second service. Uh, Goodness, I, 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 as we were reading that, verse 6, I can't read that verse 6 as it should be read. Surely goodness. I want to see those as a comma, uh, surely, and then goodness. And who is surely and all those things. So surely goodness and mercy. And as you, as you look at this, you realize that, that goodness is the, the pleasant beauty of God and mercy or loving mercy it is the idea of experiences, love, and, and, and he says this, that this goodness of the shepherd, this goodness of the gracious host, this riches that are found in relationship with him, it says, will follow you all the day of, days of your life. The picture here in the wording is that it will chase after you. It will chase after you. I, I want you to reflect on your life right now. And I, w- I want you to reflect even in the times where you didn't care about God and how he reached out to you, he protected you, he showed his goodness to you 
when you didn't care about him. And what you have here is this, that, that David looked back on his chartered, you know, chartered history, right? The kind of the, he says, yeah, we had some good days in there, but there were some other days too. Let's not talk about those. Why can't I not stop thinking about those, right? And, and he looks at those and he says this, the goodness of God, his pleasant beauty and goodness, his loving mercy for me, it's been chasing after me my whole life. And so as he looks in the rear, he looks in, uh, today in the forward too, right? And this is, this is what I want you to get too. It's not that bad things haven't happened to you in the past because they have. But as you look to the future and you, you know your relationship with God, you say this, huh? All the, you know, he, he's chasing after me. He's chasing after me. And just as he did that in the past, that will be true in the future. That's who God is. That's who my shepherd is. That's who my loving, gracious host is. What does it say as you look at this? All the days of my life. All the days of my life. For those of you who are older, and for young too. Well, let's start with the young. For those of you who are young, you go, oh no. Oh no. I just graduated. What am I going to do now? Life is so simple. I knew I just had to go to school and do the math. And like now it gets complicated. And I wanted to be big, but now that I'm big, it doesn't look like it's as good as I thought it would be, right? <laughs> Looks like I can mess up everything. I want to tell you, all the days of your life. All the days of your life. For those of you who are older and you're going, well, I don't feel like I used to. You know, I feel like the famous cereal. I get up in the morning and snap, crackle, and pop. You know, I get together with my friends and we used to talk about our awesome plans and goals and finances and our victories. And now we talk about our specialists, <laughs> our appointments. And you say, you know, how's this going to work out? How's this going to work out? And I would say this, all the days of your life, all the days of your life. But I, there's one more. That was 13. Goodness, mercy. This is 14. Okay, this is the last one. Sure of it. Pretty sure of it. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. What's that last word? Forever. Forever. The previous section, he says, all the days of my life. He says, I'm going to take care of you all the days of your life till you die. Till you die. But the last part is this forever, forever. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. His plan for you is not temporary. His, his, his blessings to you are not just for a while. It's forever. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this amazing psalm. And God, I do ask that you would remind our hearts of your word, that we might great, gain great comfort in the midst of this chaotic wor world and even in the midst of our chaotic hearts. God, do your work in us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.